0: Book Thirteen, Part One of The Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward, Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Your reader, Michael Armenta. ARGUMENT the fourth battle continued in which Neptune assists the Greeks. The acts of Idomeneus Neptune concerned for the loss of the Grecians upon seeing the fortification forced by Hector, who had entered the gate near the station of the Aegis, assumes the shape of Calchas and inspires those heroes to oppose him then in the form of one of the generals encourages the other greeks who had retired to their vessels the ajaces form their troops into a close phalanx and put a stop to hector and the trojans several deeds of valor are performed meriones losing his spear in the encounter prepares to seek another at the tent of Idomeneus. This occasions a conversation between these two warriors who return together to the battle. Idomeneus signalizes his courage above the rest. He kills Althraonius, Asius, and Alcathous. Deiphobus and Aeneas march against him and at length Idomeneus retires. Menelaus wounds Helenus and kills Pisander. The Trojans are repulsed in the left wing. Hector still keeps his ground against the Ajaces, till, being galled by the Locrian slingers and archers, Polydemus advises to call a council of war. Hector approves his advice but goes first to rally the Trojans, upbraids Paris, rejoins Polydamus, meets Ajax again, and renews the attack. The eight-and-twentieth day still continues. The scene is between the Grecian Wall and the seashore. When Jove had Hector and the Trojans brought close to the ships, HE LEFT THEM THERE TO TOIL AND STRIFE CONTINUOUS, TURNING HIS KEEN GLANCE TO VIEW FAR OFF THE EQUESTRIAN TRIBES OF THRACE, THE WARLIKE Mycians, AND THE MEN WHO FEED ON MILK OF MARES. thence HIPOMOLGI TERMED, A PEACEFUL RACE, THE JUSTEST OF MANKIND, on Troy he turned his piercing glance, Nor deemed he any god would dare to give to Trojans or to Greeks his active aid. No careless watch the monarch Neptune kept. Wondering, he viewed the battle where he sat, aloft on wooded Samos's topmost peak. Samos of Thrace, whence Ida's height he saw, And Priam's city, and the ships of Greece. Thither ascended from the sea he sat, And thence the Greeks by Trojans overborne, Pitying he saw, and deeply wroth with Jove, then down the mountain's craggy side he passed with rapid step, and as he moved along, beneath the mortal feet of ocean's lord, quaked the huge mountain and the shadowy wood. Three strides he took, the fourth he reached his goal, Echi, where on the margin of the bay his temple stood. All glittering of gold imperishable. There arrived, he yoked beneath his car, The brazen-footed steeds of swiftest flight, With manes of flowing gold, all clad in gold, The golden lash he grasped of curious work, And, mounting on his car, skimmed o'er the waves, from all the depths below gambol around The monsters of the deep, acknowledging their king. The joyous sea parted her waves, Swift flew the bounding steeds, Nor was the brazen axle wet with spray, When to the ships of Greece their lord they bore. Down in the deep recesses of the sea a spacious cave there is, which lies midway twixt Tenedos and Ambrosius' rocky isle. The earth-shaking Neptune there his coursers stayed, loosed from the chariot, and before them placed ambrosial provender, and round their feet shackles of gold, which none might break nor loose that there they might await their lord's return. Then to the Grecian army took his way. Meantime by Hector, son of Priam, led like fire or whirlwind, press the Trojans on with furious zeal and shouts and clamor hoarse in hopes to take the ships and all the chiefs to slay beside them. But from ocean's depths uprose the earth-shaker, circler of the earth, to Calchas' likeness and deep voice conform'd, and roused the fainting Greeks, the Ajaces first, themselves with ardour fill'd, he thus address tis yours, ajaces fill'd with courage high, discarding chilly fear to save the Greeks elsewhere. I dread not much the Trojan force, though they in crowds have scaled the lofty wall, the well-greeved Greeks, their onset may defy yet greatly fear i lest we suffer loss where that fierce fiery madman hector leads who boasts himself the son of jove most high but may some god your hearts inspire yourselves firmly to stand and cheer your comrades on so from your swiftly sailing ships ye yet may drive the foe how bold soe'er he be though by olympian jove himself upheld so spake the earth-shaker circler of the earth and with his scepter touching both the chiefs, filled them with strength and courage, and their limbs, their feet and hands with active vigour strung. Then, like a swift-winged falcon, sprang to flight, which, down the sheer face of some lofty rock, swoops on the plain to seize his feathered prey, so swiftly Neptune left the chiefs, him first departing, knew Oileus' active son, and thus the son of Telamon addressed Ajax since some one of the Olympian gods, in likeness of a seer, hath thither come to urge us to the war. No, Calchas, he, our augur, heaven-inspired, for well I mark his movements as he went, and of a god tis easy to discern the outward signs. I feel fresh spirit kindled in my breast, and new born vigour in my feet and hands. Whom answered thus the son of Telamon. My hands too grasp with firmer hold the spear. My spirit like thine is stirred. I feel my feet instinct with fiery life, nor should I fear with Hector, son of Priam, in his might alone to meet and grapple to the death. Such was their mutual converse, as they joy'd in the fierce transport by the god inspired. Neptune, meanwhile, the other Greeks aroused, Who, to the ships withdrawn, their wasted strength recruited, For their limbs were faint with toil and grief was in their hearts as they beheld the trojan hosts that scaled the lofty wall. They saw, and from their eyes the tear-drops fell of safety desperate. But the earth-shaking God, amid their ranks appearing, soon restored their firm array. To Teucer first he came and valiant Panelius, Tarssus, Dipors, Meriones, and young Antilochus, brave warriors, all, and to the chiefs, his winged words address Shame on ye Grecian youths! to you, I looked as to our ship's defenders. But if ye shrink from the perilous battle, then indeed our day is come to be by Troy subdued. O oh, heaven, a sad and wondrous sight is this a sight I never deemed my eye should see our ships assailed by Trojan troops. By those who heretofore have been as timorous hinds Amid the forest depths, the helpless prey of jackals, pards, and wolves, They here and there uncertain, heartless, unresisting fly. Such were the Trojans once, nor dared abide know not an hour the strength and arms of Greece. And these are they who now beside our ships, far from their city's walls, maintain the fight, emboldened by our great commander's fault and slackness of the people, who with him offended scarce are brought to guard our ships and feebly fighting are beside them as slain even though the mighty monarch atreus's son wide-ruling agamemnon be in truth wholly to blame in this that he hath wronged the son of peleus yet tis not for us our courage to relax arouse ye then the brave man's spirit its vigour soon regains that ye the best and bravest of the host should stand aloof thus idly tis not well if meaner men should from the battle shrink i might not blame them but that such as ye should falter, indignation fills my soul. Dear friends, from this remissness must accrue yet greater evils, but with generous shame and keen remorse let each man's breast be filled. Fierce is the struggle in his pride of strength hector has forced the gates and massive bars and raging mid the ships maintains the war thus neptune on the greeks reproving call'd and round the ajaces twain were cluster'd thick the serried files, whose firm array nor mars nor spirit-stirring pallas might reprove, for there the bravest all in order due waited the trojan charge by hector led. Spear close by spear, and shield by shield o'erlaid, buckler to buckler pressed, and helm to helm, and man to man the horsehair plumes above that nodded on the warriors' glittering crests, each other touched, so closely massed they stood. Backward by many a stalwart hand were drawn the spears, in act to hurl, their eyes and mind turned to the front, and eager for the fray. On poured the Trojan masses. In the van, Hector straight forward urged his furious course as some huge boulder from its rocky bed detached and by the wintry torrent's force hurl'd down the cliff's steep face, when constant rains the massive rock's firm hold have undermined with giant bounds it flies. The crashing wood resounds beneath it, still it hurries on until arriving at the level plain, its headlong impulse checked it rolls no more, so Hector, threatening now through ships and tents e'en to the sea, to force his murderous way, anon confronted by that phalanx firm, halts close before it. While the sons of Greece, with thrust of sword and double-pointed spears, stave off his onset. He a little space withdrew, and loudly on the Trojans called. Trojans and Lycians, and ye Dardans famed in close encounter, stand ye firm, not long, the Greeks, though densely massed shall bar my way but soon methinks before my spear shall quail if from the chief of gods my mission be from jove the thunderer royal juno's lord his words fresh courage raised in every breast on loftiest deeds intent deiphobus the son of priam from the foremost ranks his shield's broad orb before him borne advanced with airy step protected by the shield at him moriones with glittering spear took aim nor miss his mark the shield's broad orb of tough bull's hide it struck but passed not through, for near the head the sturdy shaft was snapped. Yet from before his breast Deiphobus held at arm's length his shield, for much he feared the weapon of Meriones. But he back to his comrades' sheltering ranks withdrew, grieved at his baffled hopes and broken spear. Then toward the ships he bent his steps To seek another spear, which in his tent remained. The rest, mid wild uproar, maintained the fight. There, deucer first, the son of Telamon, A warrior slew, the son of Mentor, Lord of numerous horses, Imbrius, spearman skill. In former days ere came the sons of Greece, he in Pedisus dwelt, and had to wife Medisacaste, Priam's bastard child, but when the well trimmed ships of Greece appeared, returned to Troy, and there, revered by all, with Priam dwelt, who loved him as a son. Him, Teucer, with his lance, Below the ear stabbed and drew back the weapon, down he fell as by the woodman's axe on some high peak falls a proud ash conspicuous from afar, scattering its tender foliage on the ground. He fell, and loud his burnished armour rang forth Teucer sprang to seize the spoil. At whom, advancing, Hector aimed his glittering spear, He saw, and stooping, shunned the brazen death a little space. But through the breast it struck Amphimachus, The son of Cittatus, the son of Actor, Hastening to the fight. Thundering he fell, and loud his armor rang, then forward Hector sprang, in hopes to seize the brazen helm that fitted well the brow of brave Amphimachus. But Ajax met the advance of Hector with his glittering spear. Himself he reached not, all in dazzling brass encased, but pressing on his bossy shield, drove by main force. Beyond where lay the dead, them both the Greeks withdrew. The Athenian chiefs Stichius and brave Menestheus bore away amid the ranks of Greece Amphimachus, while as two lions high above the ground bear through the brushwood in their jaws a goat. Snatched from the sharp-fanged dog's protecting care, so filled with warlike rage, the Agases twain lifted on high, and of its armor stripped, the corpse of Imbrius and Oileus' son, grieved at Amphimachus, his comrade's death, cut from the tender neck. And, like a ball sent whirling through the crowd, the severed head, and in the dust at Hector's feet, it fell. then, for his grandson, slain, fierce anger fill'd the breast of Neptune through the tents of Greece and ships he passed the Greeks encouraging and ills preparing. The sons of Troy. Him met Idomeneus, the warrior king, Leaving a comrade from the battlefield Wounded by the knee, but newly brought. borne by his comrades to the leech's care, He left him, eager to rejoin the fray, Whom by his tent the earth-shaking God Addressed, the voice assuming of and Dreman's son, who, o'er the Tolians, as a god revered, in Pleuron reigned, and lofty calydon Where now Idomeneus, sage Cretan chief, are all the vaunting threats so freely poured against the Trojans, by the sons of Greece. to whom the Cretan king Idomeneus. Tassus. On none, so far as I may judge, may blame be cast. We all our duties know, nor see I one by heartless fear restrained, nor hanging back and flinching from the war. Yet by the o'erruling will of Saturn's son it seems decreed that here the greeks should fall and far from argos lie in nameless graves but tosses as thyself art ever staunch nor slow the laggards to reprove thy work remit not now but rouse each several man to whom earth-shaking Neptune thus replied, I, Domineus, may he from Troy return no more, But here remain to glut the dogs, If such there be from this day's fight, Who shrinks. But haste thee, don thine arms, Great need is now to hasten, if in aught we too may serve, E'en meaner men united Courage gain, but we the bravest Need not fear to meet." He said, and to the strife of men returned, Within his well-constructed tent arriv Straight donn'd Idomeneus, his armour bright. Two spears he took, and like the lightning's flash, which, as a sign to men, the hand of Jove hurls downwards from Olympus's glittering heights, whose dazzling radiance far around is thrown. Flashed as the warrior ran, his armor bright. Him met Meriones, his follower brave, close to the tent. To seek a spear, he came. To whom, Idomeneus, Meriones, swift-footed son of Molus, comrade dear, why com'st thou here and leaves the battlefield? Hast thou some wound received, whereof the pain subdues thy spirit, or comest thou to the field to summon me? Unsummoned, well thou knowest, I better love the battle than the tent. Whom answered thus the sage Meriones, Idomeneus, the brass-clad Cretan's king, I come to seek a spear, if haply such within thy tent be found, for in the fight that which I lately bore, e'en now. I broke against the shield of brave Deiphobus. To whom I, Domineus, the Cretan king. Of spears, or one, or twenty, if thou list, Thou there mayst find against the polished wall The spoils of Trojans slain. For with my foes tis not my want To wage a distant war. Thence have I store of spears and bossy shields and crested helms and breastplates polish'd bright, whom answer thus the sage Meriones, nor are my tent and dark-ribbed ship devoid of Trojan spoils, but they are far to seek, nor deem I that my hand is slack in fight. For mid the foremost, in the glorious strife, I stand, Whene'er is heard the battle-cry. My deeds by others of the brass-clad Greeks May not be noted, but thou know'st them well. To whom I, Dominus, the Cretan king. What need of this? Thy prowess well I know, For should we choose our bravest through the fleet To man the secret ambush, surest test of warrior's courage, Where is manifest the difference twixt the coward and the brave? The coward's colour changes, nor his soul within his breast Its even balance keeps. But changing still, from foot to foot he shifts, and in his bosom loudly beats his heart, expecting death, and chatter all his teeth. The brave man's colour changes not, no fear he knows, the ambush entering. All his prayer is that the hour of battle soon may come. E'en there by courage none might call in doubt, shouldst thou from spear or sword receive a wound not on thy neck behind nor on thy back would fall the blow but on thy breast in front still pressing onward mid the foremost ranks but come prolong we not this idle talk like babblers vain whose scorn might justly move haste to my tent and there select thy spear." He said, and from the tent Meriones, valiant as Mars, his spear selected straight, and eager for the fray, rejoined his chief. As Mars, the bane of men, goes forth to war, attended by his strong, unfearing son, Terror, who shakes the bravest warrior's soul, they too from Thrace against the Ephori, or haughty phlegian's arm, nor hear alike the prayers of both the combatants, one side with victory crowning, so to battle went those leaders twain in dazzling arms arrayed, then thus. Meriones his chief addressed. Son of Deucalion, say, if on the right or on the centre of the general host our onset should be made, or on the left, for there, methinks, most succor need the Greeks. To whom I, dominus, the Cretan chief, others there are the centre to defend, the agencies both, and Teucer, of the Greek's best archer, good too in the standing fight. These may for Hector full employment find, brave as he is, and eager for the fray, e'en for his courage t'were a task too hard their might to conquer, and resistless hands, and burn the ships if Saturn's son himself fire not, And mid the shipping throw the torch. Great Ajax Telamon to none would yield, Of mortal birth, by earthly food sustain'd, By spear or ponderous stone assailable. In hand-to-hand encounter, Scarce surpassed by Peleus' son, Achilles, though with him in speed of foot he might not hope to vie, then on the left let us our onset make, and quickly learn if we on others' heads are doomed to win renown, or they on ours. He said, and brave as Mars, Meriones, thither where he directed, Led the way. Now, when attended thus, Idomeneus, like blazing fire, in dazzling arms, appeared. Around him, thronged with rallying cries, the Greeks, and raged beside the ships, the balanced fight. As when the dust lies deepest on the roads, before the boisterous winds, the storm drives fast. And high at once the whirling clouds are tossed. So was the fight confused, and in the throng each man with keen desire of slaughter burned. Bristled the deadly strife, with ponderous tears, wielded with dire intent. The brazen gleam dazzled the sight, by flashing helmets cast and breastplates polished bright and glittering shields co mingling stern of heart indeed were he who on that sight with joy not pain could gaze dire evil then on mortal warriors brought the diverse minds of saturn's mighty sons to Hector and the Trojans, Jove designed in honor of Achilles, swift of foot, to give the victory. Yet not utterly he willed to slay before the walls of Troy, the Grecian host, but glory to confer on Thetis and her noble-minded son. Neptune, on the other side, the Greeks inspired. Clandestine, rising from the hoary sea. For them, before the Trojan host o'erborne, born, He saw with grief, and deeply wroth with Jove. Equal the rank of both, their birth the same, But Jove, in wisdom as in years, the first, Nor ventured Neptune openly to aid the cause of Greece, but clothed in mortal form in secret the army's courage roused this way and that they tugged a furious war and balanced strife where many a warrior fell the straining rope which none might break or loose then though his hair was grizzled oer with age calling the greeks to aid I, Domineus, inspiring terror, on the Trojans sprang, and slew Athryonius, who but of late came from Cabeasus on the alarm of war, and, welcomed as a guest in Priam's house, the fairest of his daughters sought to wed, no portion asked, Cassandra, Mighty deeds he promised from before the walls of Troy, in their despite to drive the sons of Greece. The aged Priam listened to his snit, and he, his promise trusting, fought for Troy. Him, marching with proud step, Idomeneus struck with his glittering spear. Nor aught availed his brazen breastplate through the middle thrust, thundering he fell the victor vaunting, cried, O Thraionius, above all mortal men, I hold thee in respect, if thou indeed will make thy words to aged Priam good who promised thee his daughter in return. We, too, would offer thee a like reward, and give thee here to wed from Argos brought Atreides' fairest daughter, if with us thou wilt o'erthrow the well-built walls of Troy. Come, then, on board our ocean-going ships, discuss the marriage contract, nor shall we be found illiberal of our bridal gifts." He said, and seizing by the foot, the slain dragged from the press. But to the rescue came Asius, himself on foot before his car. So close his charioteer the horses held, they breathed upon his shoulders. Eagerly he sought to reach Idomeneus, but he, preventing, Through his gullet drove the spear beneath the chin, Right through the weapon passed. He fell. As falls an oak, or poplar tall, or lofty pine, Which on the mountain-top for some proud ship The woodman's axe hath hewn, so... He, before the car and horses stretched, his death cry uttering, clutched the blood-stained soil. Bewildered, helpless, stood his charioteer, nor dared escaping from the foeman's hands to turn his horses. Him, Antilochus, beneath the waistband struck. Nor aught availed his brazen breastplate; through the middle thrust, he from the well wrought chariot, gasping, fell. Antilochus, the noble Nestor's son, his horses seized, and from the Trojan ranks drove to the Grecian camp, for Asius's death, deep grieved. Diaphobus, approaching, hurled against Idomeneus his glittering spear. The coming weapon he beheld, and shunned. Beneath the ample circle of his shield, with hides and brazen plates encircled round, and by two rods sustained, concealed he stood. Beneath he crouched, and o'er him flew the spear yet harsh it grated glancing from the shield nor bootless from that stalwart hand it flew but through the midriff close below the heart hypsenor son of hippasis it struck and straight relaxed his limbs then shouting loud in boastful tone deiphobus exclaimed. Not unavenged lies Asius, he methinks, as I have found him fellowship, with joy through Hades, strongly guarded gates may pass. He said, The Greeks, indignant, heard his boast. Chief of Antilochus, the manly soul was stirred within him yet amid his grief his comrade not forgetting up he ran and o'er him spread the cover of his shield meanwhile two trusty friends mesisteus son of ekius and alastor raised the slain and deeply groaning bore him to the ships nor did idomeneus his noble rage abate still burning o'er some Trojan soul to draw the gloomy veil of night and death, or, having saved the Greeks, himself to fall. Then high-born Esuetes' son he slew, Alcathuis, he, Anchises' son-in-law, the eldest of his daughters, had to wife, Epidemiah, by her parents, both o'er all beloved in beauty, skill, and mind, all her compeers surpassing, wife of one, the noblest man through all the breadth of Troy, him Neptune by Idomeneus subdued, sealed his quick eyes his active limbs restrained without the power to fly or shun the spear. Fix'd as a pillar or a lofty tree he stood while through his breast Idomeneus his weapon drove. The brazen mail it broke which oft had turn'd aside the stroke of death. Harshly it grated, severed by the spear, he fell the spear-point quivering in his heart which with convulsive throbbings shook the shaft there mars its course arrested then with shouts of triumph vaunting thus Idomeneus. how now deiphobus ARE THREE FOR ONE AN EQUAL BALANCE? WHERE ARE NOW THY BOASTS? COME FORTH, MY FRIEND, THYSELF TO ME OPPOSED, AND LEARN, IF HERE UNWORTHY MY DESCENT FROM JOVE, MY GREAT PROGENITOR, I STAND. HE MINOS, GUARDIAN CHIEF OF CRETE, BEGOT noble Deucalion was to Minos born, I to Deucalion. Far extends my rule in wide-spread Crete, whom now our ships have brought, a bane to thee, thy sire, and Trojans all." He said, and doubtful stood Deiphobus, or to retreat, and summon to his aid the Trojans, or alone the venture try. Thus, as he mused, the wiser course appeared to seek Aeneas. Him he found apart behind the crowd, for he was still at feud with godlike Priam, who he thought withheld the public honour to his valour due. To whom Deiphobus, approaching thus, Aeneas, sagest counsellor of Troy, behoves thee now, if reverence for the dead can move thy soul, thy sister's husband aid. Haste we to save Alcathous, who of old, when thou wast little, in thy father's house nursed thee with tender care for him, but now the spear renowned Idomeneus hath slain He said Aeneas's spirit was roused, and filled with martial rage he sought Idomeneus, nor coward like did he the encounter shun but firmly stood, as stands a mountain boar, self-confident, that in some lonely spot awaits the clamorous chase, bristles his back, his eyes with fire are flashing, and his tusks he wets, on men and dogs prepared to rush. So stood the spear-renowned Idomeneus, the onset of Aeneas, Swift in fight, awaiting, and the friends he saw around he summoned to his aid, Ascalaphus, Deipyrus, and brave Mariones, Antilochus, and Apharius. To these tried warriors all he thus addressed his speech. Aid me, my friends! Alone I stand and dread the onset of aeneas swift of foot mighty to slay in battle and the bloom of youth is his the crown of human strength if as our spirit our years were but the same great glory now should he or i obtain he said and one in heart their bucklers sloped upon their shoulders, all beside him stood End of Book thirteen Part one